Freedom Digital Media presents the Enough Podcast by Anna Laramore, helping the modern millennial woman rediscover her worth and identify her boundaries in business, relationships, friendships, and more. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Enough Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Laramore. And we have a pretty awesome episode coming up today. Sydney Hedberg, the author of Barney's, Bergdorf's, and Bill's, A Girlfriend's Guide to Finance, will be calling in from New York City. We're going to be talking about her book and her career and, of course, money. So everything from saving to investing to credit and all of the things that we should be talking about but probably don't talk about nearly enough. And I know for me personally, sometimes these topics stress me out. And when I get stressed, I repress, which is not the best way to handle anything, but it's a flaw of mine. It's something I do. So I'm really excited to kind of meet that fear head on and improve my financial literacy and hopefully my financial situation overall. And before she calls in, I do want to share a little message. Well, it's not a little message, to be honest. (laughs) It's kind of long. Uh, To the younger millennials who are listening, maybe you just graduated from college. I think that still makes you a millennial, right? Not Not a Gen Z. I don't know. But a lot of you have written in about questions to ask Sydney on the podcast with a focus on life after graduation, how to manage your money, career advice, all of that stuff. And because of that, I want to give you a summary of what life was like for me when I was a recent grad because it's my hope that you will find some encouragement in it and maybe avoid making some of the mistakes that I made or take comfort in the fact that if you're already making mistakes, you know that you're not alone. You're not the only one. So. When I graduated from college, and not a lot of people know this, I actually walked without having finished my degree. I had nine hours left, so that's three classes, that I needed to complete before I earned my bachelor's degree. It's not really a big deal. It's actually not a big deal. Uh, I still walked with my class three years ago yesterday, actually. So I graduated college three years ago yesterday. Um, I didn't have to stay an extra semester. I just got my diploma in August in the mail, um, so just a few months later. And I stayed in my college town and lived there in my house for the summer. My roommates had moved out and I had quit my college job a few months prior before graduation in May. So I was just living there in the summer, taking my last three classes. Two were online, one was in person, I think, but it was fine. I had a boyfriend and we spent all summer together and we just had the best summer. I felt so insecure though about not finishing my classes. Like I felt like I had to justify it to everybody. Um, But I still had plenty of friends in my same boat. I still I had friends who were staying another semester or staying another year, so I even have friends who graduated in six years or didn't graduate at all, and it's all fine. So if you're freaking out about not finishing by May, you're not the only one. It's all going to be fine. So before I even walked, probably like a month before, I accepted a job, and it's the first job that was on my radar. I really was actually not actively looking for jobs because I was planning on taking a gap year. I wanted to move to Australia and dance professionally with this particular choreographer and um, dancer that I'd followed for a really long time. And looking back, of course, I wish I'd done that. And, uh, you know, never say never. You never know where life's going to take you. But for some reason, I just, I didn't take the plunge. And I felt super pressured by this recruiter, who's a very nice person. If you're listening, I'm taking responsibility for my choice. Um, But I did feel pressured by this recruiter. Um, And in retrospect, I realized it's because of that self-respect issue I was telling you about in episode one. I just didn't set any boundaries with anything or anybody. I was letting people dictate my life, even if they were nice, without me even realizing it. And I was that girl in college with the biggest personality, total attention junkie, uh, not afraid of anything, would speak my mind, like so out there, okay? 
So to realize later that I actually wasn't standing up for myself was kind of crazy because my personality might tell you otherwise, but I accepted this job. Uh, this recruiter had reached out on LinkedIn. I went through the process. I got hired. It had nothing, and I mean nothing, to do with my degree, which works for some people, and that can be totally fine. Um, but it was a job, and I wasn't looking for a job for whatever reason, Australia or whatever, uh, and I accepted it. And I'm tempted to say it was a mistake, but really it wasn't a mistake because I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't made that choice. So if you're feeling like you're working a job that has nothing to do with what you studied, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing or um, something that other people aren't experiencing as well. I think plenty of people can relate to that experience and I think it's very situational whether you're on the right path or the wrong path. Um, but this job that I accepted, it was in my hometown like 20 minutes away from my childhood home. And uh, keep in mind, I, at this point I was in college so I was almost a thousand miles away from home so to come back was a big deal. Um, a lot of you have made comments to me in the first episode, why are you breathing like that? Why are you breathing so deeply? I have asthma and I have anxiety, so that's, that's why I'm breathing like that. But I decided, uh, so I decided I'd be moving back home, and I realize now, and there's nothing wrong with this, with realizing this, I was not half as mature as I thought I was in that time. I had probably 99% of my college friends move out into the world on their own, in cool urban cities, living in apartments, working cool jobs related to their degrees, and their hometowns kind of just became a place that they visited on Christmas. And I can honestly say now, looking back, of course, I, I wish I had done that, I wish I had that, but I was not ready for it. And I didn't even realize on a conscious level that I wasn't ready for it. I was kind of hiding behind the excuse that I had all these nieces and nephews back home, and I'd been nearly a thousand miles away for years, Whereas most of my friends were a few hours from their hometowns and all these reasons why I needed to go home. In reality, I just needed to go home. And for whatever reason, I had a hard time admitting to myself and to other people that that was the case. And I think maybe part of it, uh, and don't come for my throat, okay, if this isn't you, or even if it is you, I'm not undermining your work ethic or insulting your family because this is not personal, it just is. But I know plenty of people whose parents uh, paid their rent or contributed to their rent when they moved out on their own into these cool cities and started these uh, jobs. Some of them were not high paying jobs, but they were still living wonderful lifestyles. And I'm like, how the heck are people doing this? Um, and that just wasn't gonna fly with my parents. I, and I was scared to death. I was scared to death how I would be able to support myself. I've worked since I was probably 13 uh, in like babysitting and doing things like that. And then I'd gotten a job. Once I was in high school, I got a job. Um, so I've always worked. I've, I've worked most of my life and I did have savings, but I just wasn't prepared financially or emotionally, to be honest, um, to take that kind of plunge. And I was so used to a very particular lifestyle that I could have given up to join the world of adults, but I chose not to. And that's just the way the cookie crumbled. So roll your eyes if you want to, but that's just how, that's the path that I took. Um, there's no sense in regretting it. That's just how it was. Uh, so if you're moving back home with your parents or you're not moving back in with your parents but you're moving back to your hometown and you're kind of getting FOMO because you see people in your life who are doing cool things in faraway places and you wish that you were a part of that, just try not to compare your life to anyone else's. And I know that's easier said than done. I'm a culprit of it. All of us are culprits of that. Um, but there was a time in my life, and we'll get to that, very soon where on Instagram I looked like I was the happiest person on the face of the planet earth and in reality I was actually crying myself to sleep every night every single night 
praying to God, begging God for things to get better. So swallow your pride about moving home if that's what you're doing. And remember that you're not a tree, okay? You can move whenever you want. You just need to work on it and it will happen for you. Okay, so I finished up my classes. I packed up my car uh, in Mississippi to make the drive to Maryland. And I'm sobbing at this point because I loved Ole Miss that much. I never really saw it ending. Uh, I think most of my friends were really pumped for their next chapter, but I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, I was heartbroken that the chapter was ending. I was holding on to it for dear life. And then I just started crying more because my boyfriend uh, at that time broke up with me while I was on my drive. So I had really strong feelings for him. So I was really sad to see the relationship end. Um, I was really sad to see college end. And I'm like, great, now I'm single, moving back in with my parents, about to start a job that's not really what I want to be doing. And I, um, I went off the deep end. I kind of went crazy. I had one friend who was in a similar boat, and I really clung to her because this was the same summer where a lot of people I went to school with were starting to get that ring by spring. Okay, you got to remember I went to a southern school, and that was very, very common. Um, and I just felt so unlovable. I felt like I wasn't deserving of an amazing job or a life of my own or a boyfriend or an apartment. And I just felt like I was not enough. And my life started to spiral. And I'm not going to elaborate on that um, too much, but I was not in a good place. And I quit my job after two months. And when I did that, I felt like an absolute failure. I knew I was doing things I shouldn't be doing. I knew I was not reaching my full potential professionally. And I felt lost. I felt left behind. I felt like I had fallen from the cloud nine that was college um, really, really hard. And it was a massive wake-up call for me. I was not ready for the real world at all. Um, and maybe that's because I was spoiled. Maybe that's because I was struggling with mental health. Maybe that's because that's just what God's plan was for me. Um, but those first few months after college, they were bad. And I'm not going to lie to you. They were really bad. Um, luckily, most of my friends don't share that sentiment. I'm so happy for them that they had good experiences. But if you're listening, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just giving you a glimpse into my world behind Instagram as a cautionary tale to stay on your A-game. And one part of the story, which is what happened next, is a really good thing. It's something I'm very proud of myself for doing when I left that job, which I now look back and I realize it was a great way for me to get sales training and meet some, uh, some good people who are still good friends of mine. So it's all good. But when I left that job, I made a promise to myself. I said, I will not jump into another career. I will not jump into another salary job until I really find something that is going to be the right fit uh, for me, personally and professionally. And uh, instead, I took a month off to get kind of get my shit together. And then I just I started helping my friends at their salons. And I'm so, so grateful to those friends because they really helped me and gave me work. And they knew I needed it. And I also got a job at Sephora. I applied for one position. I got hired for a better position. Uh, so I was doing that full time for quite some time. And spoiler alert, uh, I still work at Sephora. So if you know, um, if you tuned into episode one or you know me personally, you know I'm still there. So uh, Sephora is going well. But for a while, that was my job and that was my full time job. But this is the part of the story where I met a different boyfriend and life looked pretty perfect on social media. Um, but what you don't know, and now you do, is that I had lost all sense of purpose in my life. I stayed at home. I had spent all of my savings. I was practically unemployed because I had been convinced that I should cut back at Sephora and barely work. And I'm not totally blaming 
another person for that. I'm an adult. I'm responsible for myself and my choices. But I became 100% dependent on another person financially and emotionally. Um, I was not tapping into my need for creativity. I was struggling with mental health, with depression and anxiety. I was gaining weight. I was a lot of weight, actually. Um, I gained about 50 pounds. I was engaging in no hobbies. I was isolated from friends and family, and I was being treated like shit behind closed doors. One of my friends even commented during that time that she was concerned because so much of my hair was falling out because I was so stressed and so unhealthy. And I felt so stuck. Uh, I felt so stuck that the only thing I really wanted so badly, and I can't believe I'm admitting this, was an engagement ring because I desperately needed something to validate that there were good things happening in my life because I knew that there were not. I mean, I had a roof over my head. I had a wonderful family who loved me and loves me unconditionally. I had food to eat, water to drink, shoes on my feet. But there were plenty of times during that time in my life, and again, you would not know this, where I would call out of work at Sephora because I couldn't afford to put gas in my car to get to work. And, you know, again, you would not know that based on the number of Snapchat stories I would post with champagne and oysters. So here is what I really want you to consider, right? I'm not saying everything you see on social media is a lie. There are people who really and truly are so happy personally and professionally, and I am one of those people now. Um, what I am saying is you don't know the whole story ever. You don't know what people are praying for. You don't know what people are crying about at night. You don't know what they hate about themselves. You don't know what their bank accounts actually look like or, or their credit score. You don't know what's being said to them in their homes by the very people who are supposed to love and protect them. You don't know. And I feel an immense responsibility to let everyone know that just like yours, my life isn't perfect. And I was so obsessed with perfection because I was so scared to admit that I needed help so badly. I was begging God to help me. I could not get out of bed. I felt so alone and so scared and so distant from myself. And it was a really dark place, but you would have never known. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry to anyone who compared their life to mine and felt insecure. And I'm sorry to my younger self that I didn't seek help when I needed it. I actually had, after some of you listened to the pilot, I actually had some girls from high school that I wasn't particularly close to um, reach out to me and say, yeah, I, I thought your life was perfect in high school and I thought your life was perfect in college and after college. And um, you know, I'm sorry that I ever made that assumption and um, I appreciate your vulnerability. So that's, you know, something I think all of us can relate to. Um, so fast forward the breakup because I'm not sharing those details, but I was hired by the Baltimore Sun just before the breakup. And it's one of the best things that has ever happened to me. I have the most incredible boss in the world. I actually am I thought about this the other day. I actually sometimes I get emotional when I think about how grateful I am for him because he was there for me in what was one of the darkest times in my life. And um, he gave me an opportunity to essentially become an adult and become a working professional and uh, invested in me the skills and tools and resources to become successful and to make money. And just on a personal level, he never let me forget, and he still doesn't, that I am supported. And that's just something that you don't find everywhere these days. And when I was being hired, when I was in my interview, I was in conversation with my boss and also my vice president. And together, the two of them just believed in me. They saw me for my potential, and they didn't let me feel guilty about my so-called failed professional life up to that point. 
And it's kind of funny that I ever really thought of myself as a failure at that point because that was 12 months after graduating college. I mean, it was ridiculous that I would put so much pressure on myself to accomplish all of my goals at 23. That's not reality for most people, if anyone. So it wasn't until I was 24, uh, which was last year for me, when I really started to flourish. I started traveling the world. I had always been a traveler, but I got back into that. I saw seven countries in one year and an endless number of cool U.S. cities I hadn't been to. And I went to uh, my dream conference. I was almost cast for The Bachelor. I reunited with old friends. I lost 20 pounds. I made a lot of money. I saved a lot of money. I earned a great credit score. I worked my way up to um, just a lot of different professional goals that I had. I met my idol, Britney Spears. <laughs> I just I went to a lot of con concerts that I'd wanted to see um, for a long time, and I just hadn't. And I I just checked so much off of my list. And in that year, uh, I just started investing in myself personally and professionally, and the confidence that I gained from it was so invaluable that I would go as far as to say it was the best year of my life, and I wouldn't have appreciated it so much and felt so incredibly grateful for each and every tiny moment if it weren't for the roller coaster I'd experienced prior. And by the roller coaster, I mean the relationship, and I also mean just um, post-grad life in general. And now, professionally, I'm doing great. I have a podcast. I do some social media work on the side. I don't talk about that much, but that's something I've done for a while now. I work part-time at Sephora because I have career goals in the industry and I enjoy working there. I've gotten a promotion, so I'm a skincare consultant there now. I work full-time at the Baltimore Sun. I even still babysit. I'm 25 years old and I babysit sometimes because I'm obsessed with working and making money. So I'm working seven days a week, starting businesses, I'm traveling. I'm just in such a different headspace than I was when I was a recent grad. So that's a much more long-winded version than I planned on sharing. I know I'd said in a previous episode that the monologues would get shorter. So sorry about that. I guess I have to retract that statement, but I hope it provides some insight into what life can look like after graduation in the sense that it changes. And you have to know what you're ready for and what you're not ready for. And you have to make peace with yourself about that. You have to make peace with what you're ready for and what you're not ready for because it's okay. And you have to lean on the people who love you with no conditions and find mentors and be open to possibilities and unattached to outcomes. And there's something I realized I probably should have shared in episode one um, to make it more clear about why a women empowerment business was and is the goal here, what I'm striving for. My personal reason for that is because this podcast and this brand at large is really a message to my younger self. I want to instill in her and in all of the girls like her that she is smart enough that she is beautiful enough, that she is professional enough, that she is funny enough, that she's all of the things, right? She's not perfect, but she is capable and wonderful. And I want her and all of the girls like her to know when you guys have had enough, when your significant other is treating you poorly, when your friends drain you, when you're miserable at your job, know your boundaries there. Know when it's time to walk away because I didn't, right? I didn't. And it's always going to be a work in progress, especially if you're emotional and empathetic and you like to give people the benefit of the doubt. But if you don't stand up for yourself, you are sending the message that it's okay for others to treat you however they please. And does that sound like a fulfilling life to you? Because I'm here to tell you, you can post champagne and oyster Snapchat stories all day long, but if you have no self-worth and no boundaries, you will not be a happy human being. And it doesn't matter if all of your friends on Snapchat think that you are, okay? So the business is starting with the podcast. I won't share too many details for my other business plans, but with the podcast, I'm mainly interviewing women 
whom I admire or whose businesses have missions that I admire. And my goal was to have takeaways from those interviews that would inspire a younger me. So maybe it's professional advice, maybe it's tips on a healthy love life, maybe it's funny and happy and lighthearted because that's something I would have loved to listen to to make my dark time a little brighter. So whatever the topic and whomever the guest, I've thought about it all very carefully to make your time tuning into the Enough podcast what I hope you would consider worthwhile. Um, the goal here is to really help women feel like they have the tools, the resources, and the support to um, overcome challenges and live their best lives. So my financial situation has changed for the better, obviously, since all of that happened, and it's definitely not perfect. There is so much room for improvement, and I'm really just excited for Sydney to call in and give us her tips on that because I know everyone can benefit from them. They're really important. Um, Sydney and I went to Ole Miss together. I did not know her in college, actually. She's a little older, and she was in a different sorority, but we did sort of run in the same circle, actually. We have several mutual friends, and I'm just really impressed by her professionalism and knowledge, especially at a young age. And I know she's going to make this episode great. So please join me in welcoming Sydney Hepburn. Hey, Sydney, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are y'all today? We're good. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. We have just so many listeners who have sent in questions about post-grad life and um, financial advice and all kinds of things where you are really the expert on that. But before we dive into those questions, I would love for you to just tell everybody who's tuning into the Enough podcast a little bit about you and your background and your book. Yeah, of course. Well, my name is Sydney Hedberg. I graduated from Ole Miss um, almost four years ago, which is hard to believe, but I double majored in risk management and insurance and managerial finance. So I ended up going one extra semester at school to finish that second degree. And so a lot of my tried out sorority sisters were graduating and kind of for the first time going into the workforce and their parents were telling them that they have to buy their own insurance and, um, you know, file their own taxes and kind of just figure out, you know, a lot of things, especially with your getting your first job, it's, you might feel like you're signing your life away a little bit. So just, you know, a miscellaneous questions that they came to me for because they knew I had studied finance. And so I think it was kind of an all-encompassing of, oh, well, Sydney must know. And um, some of it was Googling and some of it was asking my dad, but just kind of thought, you know, why is there not an easy-to-understand girlfriend's guide out there to kind of just like Life 101 because you don't really get that class in school. Um, Even if you're a finance major, you're taking classes where you learn how to amortize a bond and, you know, that's great, but it's not super applicable for everyday life. So just really started, you know, off me sending emails to my girlfriends that had asked and I just kind of decided, you know, I'm making a bunch of these emails. Maybe I could just kind of consolidate them. And so that's what I did. Um, Ended up being about a 30 topic guide. So we start from kind of the basics of supply and demand, inflation, interest rates, just really how money essentially works. And then we go into credit cards versus debit cards, um, buying your own insurance, buying your own, you know, health care, so car insurance, health insurance, whatever, um, and then kind of how to invest your money, how to budget your money, and then just the basics of resumes and um, how to get your first job and kind of, you know, finding a mentor and just really, you know, getting your 20s off to a good start because it can be a really overwhelming and daunting time in your life. And so 
I tried to make the book as, you know, simple and easy to understand and really underwhelming kind of. So take out that huge element of adulting and just kind of get back to basics because it's not, it really isn't that all that complicated. And um, I think things are made out to be a little bit more complex than they really need to be. So just wanted to break it down in the most layman's of terms. And it's been super fun to kind of have that as my little side gig. Yeah, for sure. So what was the process for writing the book itself and uh, publishing the book? What, like, what advice would you give to anybody who wants to write a book or take that path, whether it's about finance or anything else? Yeah, so it was um, <laughs> kind of the very, very basic. I started off with just a Word document, had no idea what I was doing. I didn't really even know how to change the margins on a Word document for to fit, you know, how the pages of the book would look. But um, just started off with that, kind of came up with my topics first, and every day I would write a little bit. So I think the biggest thing, if you're going to write any sort of a book, is have your outline fully complete because you want to know the story you're going to tell so you're not repeating things twice and just have a really good plan of action going forward because it's a little overwhelming. So started doing that, probably took me three or four months to write, and I will disclose that I had no prior um, writing experience. I always enjoyed writing or just journaling, um, but nothing, you know, never really even taken a class on it. So really, really basic, just started off. Once I completed it, I actually used a website called Book Baby. So it was a self-publisher, which made that super simple for me. So before, before I got to that process, excuse me, I did go through an editing process that one of my father's very close friends helped me with, and he's a professional. So that was great just for my punctuation issues and any other grammatical errors. Um, but once we got it to Book Baby, they helped me format it. They actually did my first manuscript cover. The cover that's available now actually was designed by my friend Madison. Uh, and she's going to be a guest on Fabulous. Podcast. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Madison has just taken the world by storm, but it was really fun. I know, literally. It, it was really fun to work on that with her because she just totally got my vision of, you know, wanted it to be simple and fabulous and chic. Um, so we ended up with, you know, something that looks like a Bendel's bag and Madison and I both ended up living in New York City, and she now just is working for Allure and Vogue and totally killing it. Um, but so that was kind of the – it was really feeling my way through the dark, and Madison was great to help me with designing that cover because, you know, I put it out the first time in October of – my goodness, I guess it was 2015. And so Madison and I redid the cover in March of 2016. I felt far more confident about what I was doing because the first time really was just the blind leading the blind. Um, so once we got the second edition out, edited the book a little bit, just kind of some formatting to pretty it up. But it was it was a really fun experience. And, um, you know, I think that's sometimes the way to do it is just, you know, baptism by fire. Like they threw all the templates at me I needed to use and we just kind of went for it and it, it worked out. And that was my whole thing. I didn't know if I would sell 100 copies or if it would just be, you know, little books laying on my mom and dad's bedside table and my grandparents, but it's gone super well. And I think, I think we're probably close to 5,000 copies sold at this point, which is really amazing. And it's a drop. That in is the, so it's, awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's a drop in the bucket as compared to um, other books, of course, but for, you know, this to just be like kind of a little side thing, it's really cool. And then the, the best part about it is hearing from girls and how much it's helped them to understand and feel more confident. And I love that you brought up to, you know, the baptism by fire. Um, we actually talked about this, my last guest and I, Danny, on episode two. We talked about how 
it's so important to not strive for perfection, but to just put out work that you're proud of. Um, like for example, my, my podcast, I knew that I know what the vision looks like. I know what the long-term plan looks like. I'm not there yet, but I know that if I'm just showing up and I'm putting in the work and I'm putting out work that I'm proud of, even if it's not absolutely perfect in every single way, I'm still happy about it and it's still going to help people and I'm going to get there. Totally. And I think, what is that quote? I think it takes, what is it, 10,000 hours to master something. Um, but you got to start your 10,000 hours at some point. It's one of those kind of mindsets of yesterday, you said tomorrow. And I think that was really where I came from with the book is I didn't really even second guess it. I didn't think about the fact that I had no writing experience or had no idea how to publish a book. I just kind of went ahead and did it because I was like, well, you know, the worst thing is that you know, no one sees it. And I didn't tell my parents I was even writing it. Um, but I think that was just kind of, you know, you're not, you're not kind of taking yourself back a little bit, but you just have to be confident that it's going to go in whatever way. And if it's not a good success then it's a learning experience and that's the whole thing, right? You're totally right. Showing up, um, being present, working hard, and that's really all you can do. And it, life is a really long journey. And I was talking to um, one of my friends, she's in high school, but I was you know, talking about not everything you do has to be a grand feat. And one of my mentors told me that about working life is I was like, well, you know, today just really wasn't a good day. And she's like, you can't look at every day and rate it as good or bad. You have to look at it as what did I learn today and take it with baby steps because not every day is going to be this great feat where you're making great connections or you're making a big sale or a big pitch or you're really knocking it out of the park. Some days it's just going to be more, you know, dull work and that's just part of it. It's not always going to be a super exciting journey, but it's a journey nonetheless. I know. And I feel like that's something that I have to remind myself with all the time because since I work in sales full time, my highs are really high. Like when I have a good day, it's a really, really good day. So sometimes I have to kind of bring myself down to earth and remember that not every day is going to be like that. So um, yeah, I think I think that's a really good perspective. Um, and on that note, did you find it difficult to manage your book and work at the same time? Tell us a little bit about your job in New York. Yeah. So, well, I wrote the book when I was still in college. So this was my final fall semester. So it was great for football season because I was only taking six hours of classes. And granted, they were the highest level finance classes we were finishing in my degree. But still, I had a lot of time to dedicate to it. So that was really when the most of my marketing efforts and everything were taking place. And then I didn't start my job in New York City until August of 2016. So had a lot of time to just really focus on that. But my job I moved here for, um, I work for Marsh and McLennan Companies. We have four operating companies underneath the parent. So I began my career with Marsh as an insurance broker in the energy sector. So um oil and gas, renewable, solar, and we're basically the middle person between AIG and BP, just for example. Um, so I did that for two years, just decided I didn't really want to be a broker. So happenstance, got an offer to go work for our parent company as a director across the firm. So I still, I wanted to stay in oil and gas because I really love energy. Um, so I run our energy initiative for the United States and I also run the South Central part of the United States. So that includes Texas, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Louisiana, um, which is great because I get to go home and, you know, work with my team down there that I've known for a really long time and then also run New York Metro. So, you know, it's that's 
obviously my focus and it's a pretty big gig with a lot of responsibility, but I love doing this on the side and, you know, a big way I've found is I'm pretty much not even remotely a pro at social media, but so many people are and I have great girlfriends that have, you know, amassed a ton of followers and they're more than willing to um, help me promote the book. And that's really how I've done it. It is just through grassroots because I don't have a ton of time to dedicate to it. But whenever I have a spare moment, I'll get on, try and find a new influencer or whoever, um, or I'll, I'll write a blog post about something financial news related. I try and post, um, you know, recent stories because I'm a CNBC news junkie. I get up at 4.30 every morning, people think I'm insane, but I just get up and watch the markets and so kind of maybe break down the stories a little bit that most people probably aren't watching because it can get a little boring, but I really, really find it interesting. So that's kind of how, that's how I balance it. And getting up early, it seems to give me a couple more hours in the day, even if I go to bed earlier. <laughs> I totally agree. And it's like this morning when you called me, you're like, I don't know what you're doing. I'm like, I'm working out. Like that's like, I, I got to get up early. I got to start my day. I got to do something. Um, I feel like I also can kind of relate to how you're like, you know, I just kind of work on it when I can. And I, I just, you know, I show up and I put in the work when I have the time because I'm finding that that's what's working for me right now. I'm somebody who is very structured and I love a routine and a regimen, but with a business like this where I don't have like a brick and mortar store and neither do you, even though you're selling a product. There's so much that's just done digitally and remotely. And we're lucky that we're able to kind of utilize social media and friends and influencers and just the internet at large um, and really just kind of put in the work as it works for our schedule. So I love hearing about other people kind of doing that same thing. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'll be on my phone um, in the car on the way to a meeting or on the train going to D.C. for meetings um, and just be working on it there. So, I mean, I think it's it's just all about the time you want to dedicate to it. And that's you're going to get out what you put in 100 percent. And I've had people come to me and offer to, you know, help and do this. We can grow this way. And, you know, I just want to be able to dedicate my whole to it. And at this point, I just have a lot of responsibility. So definitely I'm just giving it all I possibly can at this point in time. Um, but yeah, it's it, you definitely we live in a, a digital world and everyone's always connected. So like you said, it, it's, it's great to be able to operate um, without borders, basically. For sure. Do you feel like um, do you feel like because of this added, you know, side hustle and responsibility that your life changed a lot when you put out your book? Like, did you did you find that you had less time or did you find that you had um, you know, more connections or more opportunities? In what ways did your life change? I think it's a really cool outlet, right? So I work in a very, very corporate environment. Um, it's this job I have now, I think it's very bespoke and more entrepreneurial, which I, I love about it. And I feel really fortunate to have this job. But that was kind of what I really had always wanted to do was have, you know, run my own business or some, you know, something of the sort. And I've never really come to the conclusion of what that business would be, which is kind of a, a major key to starting a business. So <laughs> I like I like the idea of just having this as something on the side. And I have met, you know, really great people. I've met some of the, you know, I don't know if you've seen these finance meme Instagram accounts, but I've met some of those people and they just have, you know, the, the funniest content. And um, a lot of them, that's their side job too. So a lot of those guys and girls are investment bankers or they're accountants and they run them on the side and they can be excessively lucrative. I mean, those, you know, they get paid to post, et cetera. So it's been fun to meet people like that, but it's also just a cool conversation starter because, you know, 
I get on an airplane and if I mention I'm in insurance, um, I'll sometimes do that so the person next to me won't talk to me. Um, but if, you know, it's just kind of a cool thing like, oh, well, I wrote a book and um, that always gets the conversation going. And I think it's it's really cool, especially when I'm talking to parents or they mention they have daughters and um, that's a really big thing because they, you know, everybody just wants their kids to get ahead in life and, um, you know, make their life easier if they possibly can. So I think it's been a great way to connect just outside of my, you know, day-to-day corporate job. Yeah, for sure. Do you feel like your day-to-day corporate job is a male-dominated world? Yes and no. So we're really, really good about diversity and inclusion. So I go to D.C. quite a bit um, just because our company will testify on different issues. Uh, One of our Company sister companies Mercer just testified on diversity and inclusion and last week and you know I I've always been of the stance that you know not everybody has it's not a level playing field that's to be sure but I think that the most qualified candidate should get the job you know I don't care if they're black white purple male female trans whatever I I really have always thought you know if your if your resume is far better than someone else you know just because it's diverse shouldn't you know give you a leg up you know if and if the man is better suited for the job than a woman okay but I I do think that um you know our board is still very heavily dominant male as most boards are um but we're definitely going in the right direction and I I really look to my company as they are seriously combating that and we have females in a lot of the executive roles so um human resource officer and the new CEO of our uh, sister company Mercer so I think definitely going in the right direction and at the end of the day it's all about just kind of coming to the table and bringing your best ideas and kind of just letting the idea that oh I'm a woman or I'm a male go out the window and I I really never focus on it and I think um I think, you know, probably older women in the company, they've been through a whole lot more and they've had to work super hard to get to the positions. There's the woman in our company who, you know, started bottom of the rungs in finance and now she's in the C-suite and she's just an amazing, amazing person. And she came up in a completely different time and a time where it was far more male dominated and we have definitely made great strides. Um, But I think the financial services sector, definitely, I think that's always been kind of it's always been male dominated. We're going in the right direction, but it's it's no small feat. It's a it's a day at a time. And I think that's something just like historically how it's been male dominated. I think that's part of the reason why I feel stressed when I think of finance because I think about things like um just like old stereotypes ingrained in my brain. Like I don't know what what that means, so I'm just going to ask my dad or I'm just going to ask my boss. And I really admire you um, and feel inspired by you for being um, a woman and a young woman at that um, and just having those answers. It's not, I mean, not every, any single person has all the answers, but to be able to um, really just speak to this topic so well that you're able to help other young girls understand it is something that I really um, want to applaud you for because I'm one of those people. I mean, I bought your book probably like a year and a half ago, I bought it and I read it. Um, I need to read it again. I kind of feel like as I'm in new phases of my life, I need that refresher. I need that reminder because your financial situation, um, you know, it can change. You get a better job or, um, you know, you make a big purchase or what have you. So I feel like I need to read it again. Do you have, um, did you have like an ideal target in mind in terms of an age bracket for who was reading your book? Or were you just kind of hoping to get it in front of whoever would pick it up? 
So I think initially it was obviously my Tridel sisters. So they were ages, you know, 18 to 22 to 23. And so that just because that was, I was in the throes of college and those were the girls that were approaching me. But, you know, after I put it out, I was getting messages from people in their 30s and 40s. And um, a, a big thing is half of all marriages end in divorce. And that's not a great statistic, but it's a statistic nonetheless. And the big thing there is a lot of times, and this is a broad generalization, I'm casting for sure, but, um, you know, a lot of times it's the male that handles the money. Um, and, some, and a lot of times the, the mother will be stay at home. And again, I'm this is a broad generalization, but that's kind of always been the stereotype. And so maybe the male is the one writing all the checks, filing the taxes, speaking to the accountants, speaking to the investment banker, um, you know, just doing anything of that sort. And so I think you know, if you're not versed in that or included in those conversations, so let's say, you know, God forbid you get divorced or your husband passes away or something, I think it's easy for women to be taken advantage of at times by people coming into those situations afterwards. And sometimes it's not intentional. I mean, sometimes it just happens because they're so um, unaware and just uneducated and it's not their fault. It was just, you know, if, if they were young and got pregnant and had a baby and just kind of, you know, never really learned it or had the time to. Um, and because life comes at you and you have to handle the situations and women are amazingly strong and um, resilient in all of those ways. But I think the main thing is just confidence. And that was what I was in trying to instill in these young girls and, you know, also kind of trying to make girls understand that you don't just have to find um, a man. And, you know, if you want to get married young, that's awesome. Like, I love that. Um, but, you know, to me, it was just like, you know, make your own money. Never be reliant on someone else, not your parents, not your husband, not your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Um, because you, <laughs> this is a Lady Gaga quote, but she always said, you know, your career will never wake up one day and tell you it doesn't love you anymore. And I know this is I like, love that quote. This is That's like, one of my favorites. I, I know it's like gloom and doom, but it's just kind of a, a, a reality and you've got to love yourself first. And I am throwing out every cliche in the book, but I think you really do. And if you haven't had the time to develop that and learn about yourself and just kind of learn about life and finances and stuff that you might possibly have to deal with one day. I mean, I'm I'm always looking at the, the worst case scenario, which I try and keep out of my mind, but I think it's good to have that in the back of your mind because if push did come to shove and you ended up in a terrible situation, you want to be armed with everything you possibly can. And that was just, so it's been really, really interesting just to see, you know, from, I thought it'd be girls graduating college or high school and just, I mean, all the way up the roster. I mean, my mom has my book. My grandmother has my book. My sister has my book. So I think it's, it's, it's really cool. And I came, my uh, paternal grandmother is, she's always been the one managing the books as my, you know, grandfather does as well. But, you know, she looks at, she follows the stocks and she's just always been so amazing. And, um, I think I really took after her and was always really inspired by her. So, and she's, you know, she grew up in the time that we were just talking about. And it's just, it's been really neat to have her as kind of my, you know, mentor going through life and she's my best friend. So it's been, it's, it's really cool. And we have 
strong women to follow and you kind of want to be like them and I think you want to make other people like them and um because I, I love I love meeting confident girls that just you know feel confident in themselves have it together and if you know meet girls that don't have that you know I just want to help in any way I possibly can not to say that I by any means have it all together um but just to inspire people a little bit and make them more confident I think it's a it's a really great thing and if you can do that it's um it's a big feat for sure and I think Gosh, so much of what you just touched on is what I just recorded in my intro for this episode is that I think people probably, and this is just social media at large, but I think people perceived my life to be something better than it was when I was a recent grad. Actually, I don't think, I know. Um, And I was struggling immensely. I was very irresponsible. I was in an abusive relationship um, and I lost all of my money. And I had to focus this past year um, on just really rebuilding everything, rebuilding my savings, um, rebuilding credit, um, just literally everything from the ground up. And I did it and I'm in a great place now, but it was really hard. And it's something that I really want young girls to be able to tune into this episode or, you know, pick up your book and just feel like, okay, regardless of this position that I might be in right now, I can turn my life around. Like I was just listening, one of my favorite podcasts, Scrubbing In with Becca Tilly and Tanya Rad. They just had uh, Chrissy Metz as a guest on the podcast. She plays Kate on This Is Us. And she said, uh, if you can change your mind, you can change your life. And that's really how I felt um, when I got out of that bad situation and I decided that uh, I had had enough. I just began to turn my life around, and your book honestly was a resource for me in doing that. So thank you so much. Oh, well, I'm so glad to hear that, and I, I think the the social media thing is key. I mean, it's it's kind of bananas if you think about it. And my dad always gets you know mad at me for not mad, but you know whenever I'm posting, he goes, Sydney, why do you think people care enough to you know be worrying about what you're doing? And I'm like. I don't know, dad, you know, that's a good question. But um, my friend Eric, he was like, you know, is that social media? That's not our real lives. And he's right. I mean, you're not posting the bad stuff. You're not posting cleaning the toilet and like running late to a meeting. I mean, you're posting the glamorous stuff. And that's my biggest fear. And I was a nanny um, all through high school and college. And that's my biggest fear about young girls growing up is they just have this false sense of, one, you know, what I should look like, um, how I should be dressing these girls with all these fabulous clothes. I mean, how do they have all this money? What am I doing wrong? Um, and so I think it just, it just gives a total false personification. And I think we live in this world of just immense narcissism at some point. And, um, you know, people seeming to be very involved with themselves, but, you know, maybe it's more on the external and less on the internal, and maybe they're not a super happy person. But, you know, if you're already down and you're looking at, you know, all these glamorous social media pages, it, it just makes you more down, right? And so I think that's the biggest thing is just not focusing on that. And I love that quote, but, you know, it's, it's really just about figuring out what you need to do. And at the end of the day, don't be concerning yourself with what everybody else is doing because that has nothing to do with you. Um, you know, root for people and be inspired by people, but don't be so worried about, oh, well, they're doing this and that means I'm not doing it. And um, so I think that's the whole thing is just take a step back, 
understand that that's not reality. Um, you've got to be focused on you. And if you're consumed with checking everybody's social media pages, then you're probably not focusing a ton on turning your life around as you did. Um, so that's why I'm telling people, if you're having a hard time, maybe get away from the social media. Maybe just take a step back and just keep it in the back of your mind. That's not, that's not a reality. Reality shows aren't reality. Um, and you just have to keep that in mind because it, it can be so over-consuming. Really? It, I mean, it really, really can. Um, do you feel like when you came out with your book, it sounds like you had a good response to your book from your peers. Do you, did you feel a lot of pressure from it? Did you feel um, like people were really going to be turning to you now and you had to, um, you know, really upkeep it and answer everybody's questions? Like, did you feel a lot of pressure in managing being an author? Not necessarily. I felt a lot of pressure when writing the book just to make sure that all of the information contained is accurate. Um, and it's nothing, you know, that there was nothing too complex in it. But just I think that was probably the more pressure is I wanted to make sure everything in that was 100 percent right. Um, and then once it came out, of course, I mean, I was I'm always and so willing to help people answer any sort of questions. And I've done different radio interviews on, you know, taxes and insurance and insurance kind of is in my wheelhouse. But, you know, I'm by no means a tax expert or an accounting expert, but I can kind of just push along my um, maybe my budgeting mishaps that I've had in life or, um, you know, people ask about student loans, which I am not well versed in that either, thankfully, um, but, you know, kind of can help point them in the right direction or, you know, at least try and make sure that they get their answer. And that's always been my thing more than anything is, you know, if you're going to support me and buy my book, I'm more than willing to try and help you, you know, figure out how you can get ahead in your, you know, financial career anyway. So that's, that's really what I try and do and I try and make myself as accessible as possible because I think that's very important and you can't, you know, be everywhere or do everything at once. But just to, I think accessibility is, it makes people feel good. You know, it makes you feel like you're not, um, you know, it's just, you're just another person. We're all just trying to make it through the days. I agree. Um, I actually have, so I have exciting guests who are confirmed for future episodes. I have Madison coming on. I have Kelly Wynn coming on. Um, so I just have a lot of cool old Miss grads like yourself who are doing cool things. And something that I really appreciate is when those people are accessible, when you have questions about their industry or their product or their business or what have you, and they take the time out of their day to respond and help you out, it just builds so much credibility. Like it's, it just allows me to be like, wow, this person is passionate about their product or their business or their industry. Um, they're kind, like I, it makes me wanna promote them more. Um, so that's really something that I want to implement in my business with my podcast is I've literally in the, I think three days ago, we announced the release of the first episode and I've had over a hundred people, a hundred people message me with emails and questions about narcissism and abusive relationships. And I haven't gotten back to everybody yet, but it's my goal. You know, it's my intention. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point. I think if you make yourself accessible, you're um, you're really doing your brand a favor. Right. And I've always told people that, I mean, when they're going into the workforce or whatever it is and, you know, kind of being afraid to reach out to people or, you know, maybe ask them to have coffee, like maybe they don't have time. And I'm like, you know, some people are going to say no, but nine times out of 10, if I have emailed someone in my company or even somebody that I'm like, you know, you don't want to, you know, take up, you know, someone's 
a ton of someone's time if they're, you know, running the whole company of CEO of a Fortune 500. But even those people are extremely accessible because they've been in your shoes before. They've been starting off before. They totally understand what it's like. And, you know, asking to pick their brain for 15 or 20 minutes, I mean, what are we on this earth for if not to connect? And I think that's a huge thing. And I always tell people, I'm like, reach out. You know, what's the worst they're going to say? No, I really don't have the time. Okay, cool. You know, you move on. But a lot of times people are super accessible and you just have to ask because, you know, they might be stressed out in their daily lives, but like everyone's got to eat, you know? And so I think, you know, everybody needs, you know, 20 minutes of the day to go grab a salad, walk and grab a coffee. But that's the whole thing. You learn so much from other people. Um, and just being able to, and I've always just really, really admired people that, are so busy and they're more than accessible. Um, and I think that's just a really, really cool thing. And it's all about developing a genuine relationship with people. And, you know, that's out of those hundred people that messaged you, I mean, maybe you'll become close friends with a couple of them and they'll, or maybe they'll start their own podcast. And I think that they'll always remember that Anna was the one that helped me jumpstart. And I think that's so cool. Thank you so much. Um, I do have some listener questions for you, but they're honestly really similar to each other. Mostly people want to know about credit card debt and they want to know about financial advice post-grad, post-grad life. Um, so really, I would just ask you, if you will, I know this is a super broad, open-ended question, but give us like five, five or whatever number you want. Give us like five really good tips that we can be implementing in our lives to better our finances. Is there anything you wish you knew when you were younger that you know now? Yeah, well, one would definitely be um, to pay off that credit card debt. Um, so I think people have this idea, and because you hear it on the news all the time that you know interest rates are low. Okay, so an interest rate is completely different than an annual percentage rate, which is APR, and that is what you are charged every time you roll money or credit card debt from month to month. And so, you know, an interest rate, I don't know, if, you know, 10 year treasury or whatever could be 3%, 3.5%. But in APR, I mean, it can go from 18 to upwards of 30%. And so you're paying, I mean, that's a lot. So if you are carrying month to month $1,000 at 28% interest, I mean, you're going to have to still pay that principal amount as well as the interest. So you know, the big thing is pay off your credit card bills every month. And I understand, I mean, everybody has a different situation and it's got to be far more difficult if you've got, you know, you have kids and you have student loans to pay off and you have medical bills, of course. But, you know, at that point, you're just really throwing money out the window because those interest rates are just so incredibly high or the annual percentage rates. So um, definitely pay off your debt. Um, You know, I was just reading an article by um, Suze Orman, who's one of, she's a financial contributor on CNBC, and she's kind of the messiah for all things budgeting, but she, the article was called Stop Peeing Down the Drain, a Million Dollars. And so basically what she was saying is if you spend $3 a day on Starbucks, you know, it's $100 a month, that could have been invested and it's going to, you know, it'd be invested at a healthy interest rate, but over 40 years, that would be a million dollars. And so, I mean, it's, it's a lofty example, but at the same time, it's like things you can do by yourself. So make your own coffee, 
paint your own nails. Um, maybe don't do your own hair because it would probably look really bad. My grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother has always done her own hair and it's always somehow looked fabulous, but I don't think I possess that skill. Um, and, you know, it's like make your own food. Um, so, and of course, you can go out and have dinner. I mean, I go out to have dinner all the time, but um, just kind of some of those things. It's all in moderation. Um, again, with fitness, if you don't want to be spending a ton of money on a gym, um, buy some weights on Amazon and have them in your condo and then go run outside and use the stairs in your building. So it's just, you know, kind of any way you can really curtail your spending a little bit, but then also take a really good look at your salary um, and take a very realistic look at your salary. Look, I think that's the biggest thing with recent graduates is they say, oh, you know, I'm moving to New York City and I'm starting out at 58000 Like, I'm going to have plenty. I'm like, okay, so New York City taxes are bananas. You have state tax, you have city tax, um, and then, you know, just add in all the Ubers that now we have a congestion fee. And so, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're probably paying out about half in taxes. So, you know, at that point, you're already sitting right around 30000 You know, how much is your rent going to be? Um, let's call it, you know, 1500 to two grand a month if you're living here. I mean, that's kind of the, the general ballpark. So you take all that out, you know, you're not going to be left with a whole lot at the end of the day. So just being smart and live within your means. I mean, the whole thing is people always trying to keep up with the Joneses. And again, I think that's the social media influence of everybody having, you know, all the new Fendi and the new Balenciaga. It's like, okay, <laughs> sometimes people are gifted that by the designer so they can post about it. Sometimes it's fake. It's just, you know, you got to don't be consumed with it because that can drive you so far into debt. And um, it's just, it's a little ridiculous to think about, you know, the fact that you're paying you know, $1,000 for um, a bag when you really should be paying off your credit card debt or your student debt instead. So it's just about prioritizing and, you know, you're going to make money down the road. And I, I always kind of think about like live like Warren Buffett. I mean, how much is Warren Buffett worth? I mean, tens of billions. And, you know, the guy every morning goes to McDonald's and has a breakfast that's like four dollars or something um and the wealthiest people that's how you acquire wealth is you don't spend above your means you live below your means if anything and that was always what I was taught growing up was you know nobody really cares what you have that's the biggest thing and to try and you know just just buying to show it off that's you know it's not gonna I don't know give you a whole lot of happiness but it's also gonna really hurt your bank account and it's gonna hurt your ability to get loans and to get, you know, a mortgage if you want to buy a house one day. And you've got to think about that. I mean, you're really starting your financial future right now. And things that you're doing, if you're hurting your credit score in your 20s, it's really hard to build that back up because they're going to look at this person and say, well, they weren't a great borrower then. What is to make me think that just because they're in their 30s, now they've got it all together? So it's just, you know, take it a day at a time. But just spend responsibly and maybe don't buy that pair of shoes in every single color and don't go shopping every single day um, just because it's too hard to make money to throw it for, away frivolously. One thing or two things really that I did um, recently because I'm, I'm a spender, to be honest. I'm also a saver, which is good. I do save. It's a balance. I, I, it's a balance. I do spend. Um, but two things that I'm doing right now that are very new for me. One is I just gave up manicures. Um, I'm not ready to give up pedicures. <laughs> I, I, I'm just not willing to do that. I have like permanent dancer feet. 
from all of those years of dance and it's like it's just not happening I'm not giving up pedicures I don't necessarily need them often but I need them but manicures I'm like my nails still look clean as long as I like if they're unpolished as long as I just like cut them and keep them looking nice put some oil on my cuticles like that doesn't matter so that's one thing because sometimes it's like if I'm getting like a dip manicure with tips that's like a $75 manicure like I don't need that right and then another thing I just did, which is funny because this is a business I'm trying to get into, is I just canceled all my subscription boxes because I think it's really about like priorities, right? It's about deciding like what are the things that I'm willing to go without or what are the things I can just recreate for myself. And for me, it was I was realizing that in my FabFit, now I'll never get sponsored if I, if I ever get big and FabFitFun hears this, I was realizing that I was using like one or two things from my FabFitFun box and that was it. And here's the thing, maybe it would be worth it if I was going to purchase one of those two things anyway, because in terms of the comparison and cost, one of those two things likely would be the cost of the whole box. But they're ne those, like, those two things are never things that I desperately want or need. So it's always just kind of like, it's kind of like a waste of my money. And they kind of get you because I always forget that it's going to renew and then it renews after I've been charged. And I'm like, oh God, like, wasn't wasn't counting on that. I mean, subs doing subscription boxes is something that I'm wanting to get into eventually for this brand. Um, it's like something I've actually been planning on for a really long time. But it's funny because now I'm realizing how much they can just suck your money. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of an IQ test at some point, too, because you see, I guess, I don't follow the Kardashians, but I've seen the posts of them, you know, posting FabFitFun. I mean, they're probably getting paid, you know, 750 grand to post that. And it's like, who's the sucker? You know, I mean, it's like the end person probably is. I mean, this is they're paying her that much money to post about it for her followers that, again, like you said, probably don't need the stuff that's in that box. Um, but I think, you know, so one thing I do and I do get questions about are um, my clothes for work. Um, so we work in, it's business casual, but I always err on the side of a little bit more, or a little bit fancier, but, um, but my closet in New York is super small and I have a tendency to purchase very expensive articles of clothing. So I found the Rent the Runway Unlimited and I use that every month and it's fabulous. So you get four pieces at a time. Great dresses. I mean, it's Bagley Mishka, it's Derek Lamb, uh, you know, Proenza. It's really, really nice stuff and you can get weekend clothes also. But I've saved so much money by doing that. It's just crazy. But it's like $170. I no longer go shopping. I mean, one of my bills at Bergdorf, like 170 is like one item. Um, so and on sale. So that's been the best thing I've done is it's and it's recyclable, right? So you're not just buying a piece of art article of clothing using it one time I mean everything I get I wear then I return it after um, and so that that's really something I advocate for because I think it is recycling and it's reuse but a lot of times some of those things are just complete excess um, and even with gym memberships and stuff if you're not using it oh my goodness cancel it you know I mean people I think they just keep it just to say that I still have an Equinox membership I'm like yeah it's like 240 bucks a month though just to kind of you know keep your ego up thing that I, you know, still have my uh, Equinox membership, even though I've gone, you know, twice in the past three months. Um, but so, I mean, I advocate for subscriptions to, you know, periodicals. So the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, you know, look at stuff that's really going to be bettering yourself. And, um, you know, maybe instead of buying those boxes, then buy 
buy a nail polish that you're going to be able to use time and time again or buy a facial that you'll get once a month or something. So yeah, it's just, and it's all, it's all about, you know, what your priorities are, but you know, curtailing little things here and there, it's where, that's where it really adds up. For sure. Like my thing is skincare. I am not willing to not invest in my skin. It's just my thing. I know how much money I spend on skincare. If my grandparents knew, they, my grandfather would probably have another heart attack. Um, that's just my thing, right? And I don't care as much about clothes. Now I'm realizing though, hmm, I really need to be building my work wardrobe. So maybe I need to take a look at my skincare and say, what am I buying just because it looks nice on my shelf? And what am I buying because it works for my face? And maybe those things that I'm buying that just look nice on my shelf are, that's, maybe that's money that I'm going to be putting into a work outfit next time. So I'm starting to kind of get a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I think it really is priorities too. I think everybody has a different set of priorities and everybody has different things that are non-negotiables. Absolutely. And I think that's the, there was just a really good article in the Wall Street Journal. I'll send it to you and maybe you can post it along with this, but it was about just kind of how you know, everybody's just making their way through and trying to get through day by day, but talking about how the millennial generation in particular has this tendency to just spend, spend, and spend. They spend, you know, $9 on an avocado toast. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Um, But at the end of it, it was kind of like, you know, I think if the older generations would go back and look at, you know, themselves, I mean, they were probably targeted as as they target the millennials now. And I'm not saying everyone does this, but just we do have a very negative connotation associated with our generation. But, you know, it's what they were saying at the end of the day. They were like, eat the avocado toast. Everyone's just trying their hardest, you know. So I think it's it's a good reminder of just, you know, don't be too hard on yourself if you have a month where you spend a lot of money. But, but at some point you have to rein it in. And at some point you have to be very realistic and say, I can't keep spending like this. You know, having one big month where you did – you went shopping and you took a vacation. Okay, cool. You know, don't do that every single month. It's just all, it's all about balance. Right. It really is. It really is. All right. Well, Sydney, tell us where we can find you on social, where we can get your book and where we can connect with you. Perfect. Well, the book is on Amazon. It's Amazon Prime. So you get that free two-day shipping. Who doesn't love that? Um, Barney's, Bergdorf's, and Bill's, just like the store. Um, But it's a girlfriend's guide to finance. Quick, easy read, 140 pages. Um, If you're looking for like an easy birthday present, graduation present, I mean, I always have trouble trying to find something. People always ask, you know, what can I get at this an affordable gift? And a candle is even like $55. This book is $12.99. It's a cute coffee table book. And I think that's kind of fun to get your friends something that they'll actually use. Um, The book has its Instagram at Barney's Bergdorf's Bills. And then my personal Instagram, if you feel so inclined, is Yves Saint Sid, like Yves Saint Laurent. Um, but since they've dropped the Eves, now it's just Saint Laurent, but I kept that in there. But um, yeah, I mean, I love love to connect with anyone. And, you know, if you have questions or anything, I mean, this was the coolest thing. Anna just reached out to me and um, it was it was really neat to kind of have that connection and Uh, That's what we're here to do, and I'm more than willing to chat with anyone and would love to meet uh, meet new people anytime. You know, it's funny because I'm just remembering now when I – well, I've had this podcast idea for a really long time, but when I was really taking off with it or 
trying to at least, making plans here with my producers, you're one of the first people I reached out to. And that was well over a year ago. Yes, exactly. No, and I thank you so much for that. I think that's so cool. But yeah, and then that's the whole thing. I mean, that was a year ago. And look at it just kind of, you know, coming to fruition now. And that's the whole thing. I mean, Rome was not created in a day. And there's a great Anna Wintour quote that's like, you know, it takes time like you have to master your craft you have to go there's a certain pace of things and you can't rush it and that's the whole thing I mean if you're an overnight success you can be yesterday's news in no time and that's when you can really build something that has legs is it's going to take time or else you're just rushing it and um so I think that's great and I'm congratulations on the launch of it and being on Spotify and that's just it's really fabulous I'm very proud thank you thank you so much well we are gonna we're wrapping up here but we are gonna be linking your book in our episode notes on the podcast. And I'm just so grateful that you tuned in today and I can't wait for everybody to hear this. So thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. Have a great day. You too. We'll talk soon. Bye. All right. Bye. That was such an awesome interview. Yeah, she was very good. I feel like it's, um, it's always kind of like what I said when I gave her an introduction, it's always good to just kind of talk about the serious topics that stress me out because for me when I'm meeting that fear head on when I'm addressing that thing that stresses me out I'm making progress and I'm like making a plan right like I'm making a plan in my head of like okay so this is what I'm going to do next time I get paid or this is what I'm not going to do on my way home I'm not going to stop through this drive-thru or I'm not going to you know go get a manicure or whatever um so yeah I'm, I'm really excited for people to tune in and hear her yeah, it's a good different look because it is something that everyone should be mindful of. And like she said, like there's not, you don't get, okay, here's how to balance your finances. Here's how to file your taxes. Like you don't always get learn that stuff in school or in other places. It's, you have to kind of seek it out on your own. So it's nice to have someone who is that resource for you. Yeah, and I feel like just in this world, in this social media world that we were talking about, it's just, it's so accessible to buy anything and everything at your fingertips, which makes it really hard not to spend money. Yeah, it makes it entirely too easy. Like, I, even if you just follow, like, and, like, all the data analytics and stuff behind Instagram, too. Oh, if you like one company, they'll say, hey, look at all these other companies that you can just buy their clothes right there in the app so you don't even have to leave it. Right. Just give them your credit card information and sign your life away. <laughs> oh, God, it kills me. But thank you very much, Sydney. We really appreciated having you as a guest. So one thing I want to dive into, I said I was going to do this um, last week. I like kind of hinted that I was going to do a travel segment. So travel, if you follow me, if you know me, um, travel is something that I spend a lot of my money on. Uh, it's very important to me. I really like spending my money on experiences and creating memories. That's just me. Um, and I got a lot of questions. So I got a lot of questions asking me to do a travel segment, but I didn't really get any specific questions about traveling. So I don't totally know what to say, but, um, if you didn't know, like I said, I'm a big traveler. I actually had been to three countries by the time I was 11 months old. So I took my first steps on an airplane. I said my first word and spent my first Christmas in London. So if that's any indication, I was destined to be a traveler all my life. And I went on two lead abroad trips, like I mentioned in the pilot. I think I've been to 20 countries. I think that when I went to Thailand earlier this year, that was my 20th country. And uh, just the other day, I booked a trip to Peru. I'm really excited. I'm going to be hiking the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu. So that's super high on my bucket list. And uh, if you didn't know, I have a goal to touch all four oceans and all seven continents by the time I'm 30. And I'm almost there. By the end of this year, I'll have touched... Um, 
five continents and three oceans. And if you're listening to this and you're like in seventh grade or something and you're like, oh, they told me in school that there are eight continents and, and three oceans. Okay, buzz off because I'm, go I'm going with what I was taught in school, okay? Don't crush my dreams. So I did get a question about what to pack for trips abroad. And my answer to that question is that it totally de depends on where you're going, uh, what you're doing when you get there, what time of year it is, what season it is, and like a million other things. So if you would like, you can write back with a more specific question and I can answer that. Or I can do a little segment on what I bring with me on a flight on a future episode. I know I highlight that on Instagram stories a lot, but, uh, and I even like, actually I forgot to mention, I last night I booked a trip to San Diego. So I spent a lot of time on airplanes. I work from airplanes a lot. Um, maybe we can talk about that here in a future episode if you'd like. But I also got a question about how to know which excursions to do. So I admittedly don't have a ton of tropical experiences. I know excursions aren't limited to tropical trips, um, but I kind of have a hunch that that's what you're referring to. Maybe you're not, but either way, I'm such a planner that I have most everything organized and paid for before I even arrive. But if I decide to do spontaneous excursions, the two things I primarily consider are time and interest. By time, I mean, if I do this excursion, will it eat up my whole day? And if it does, is that okay with me? Or will I get back by a certain time to do this activity that we wanna do? And by interest, I mean, does it align with the most important things I want to see and do while I'm here at this place? Because if it doesn't, it's probably not worth it. I'm big on making the most of my time wherever I go, so that's a, a huge thing for me. Jordan and I were just talking about this trip that she took with her boyfriend to Barcelona, if you want to say mention a little bit about that. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, as the same, I, just, I love traveling. So um, when we do get the chance, we, went, we did go to Barcelona with friends of ours, which was awesome. And one thing that I've found that we discovered there's a, a travel show that we had watched after the fact, and we realized in the, in the episode of Barcelona that we did just about everything that he had said, make sure you go see. So that was like really self-affirming for me because I am an intense researcher on what to do, where to go, mapping things out prior to that. So it's tough to want to plan everything and make sure that everything is done and taken care of so that you can just enjoy it and be there in the moment. Because, like, I think we were talking about it earlier, uh, like, going on places like a Disney adventure, like a Disney vacation is not a vacation. Right. It's because you're moving at 7 o'clock in the morning. You don't stop until 9 o'clock at night. So it's, it's tough because you want to be able to go there and be there and enjoy it and at the same time make sure that you're seeing everything that you should be seeing while you're there. Yeah. Like, I always say, and... People are going to roll their eyes when I say this because I am very fortunate that with my job, I'm able to take a lot of time off. I don't go on vacation. I go on adventures. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. And that's my choice. So I'm not complaining, right? I could go on vacation if I wanted to. Um, but I'm at a point in my life right now where, and I know that this, it's not mutually, mutually exclusive to pick one or the other, but since I don't have children or a husband or um, really too many, um, too many things holding me back, preventing me from making selfish decisions, I'm spending a lot of time and money on adventures, on things that um, are on my bucket list and I'm getting them done now. And it's, very, it's a very different type of trip when you are um, spending a lot of time on planes, trains, in cars, hiking mountains, uh, on your feet all day long, you know, crossing off museums and uh, monuments and things like that than it is when you're laying on the beach in Mexico with a margarita in your hand. Two wonderful experiences, 
One's a vacation, one's an adventure. So I'm also that friend um, that makes itineraries because I also love to research. And my friends, Abby and Blakely, like my two best friends from college, we went uh, to Scottsdale, Arizona last year. And it was so funny because they said, like they said, they're like, okay, when you sent us your itinerary, that was a little scary. Like we thought that that was going to be too intense, but we really did everything we wanted to do and we had the best time. And I'm like, yeah, that's just it, right? It's, it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm saying we can't ever make any decisions like spontaneously. Like I am a spontaneous traveler sometimes, right? When I was 20 years old in Cape Town, South Africa, I decided after a drunken karaoke night that I was going to get a tattoo. And after that, I jumped out of an airplane. Like there's, there are plenty of things that I've done that are spontaneous, but for the most part, it's like you, you have to look at everything that's important to you to do on a trip. And you have to map out how far those things are from each other and how far they're from the airport and how far they are from your hotel or Airbnb or whatever. And you have to just create a plan, even if it's a tentative plan, that makes sense. Otherwise, you might end up disappointed. Yeah, even just a loose outline. Of a like loose a, outline. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Because it's tough. You spend all this money to try to travel to these new places, and then you can't necessarily just figure it out when you get there kind of thing. It's right. good to, it's good God, to have I hate those people. Yeah, if you're listening, I love you, but I hate you. Yeah, it's, it's good, which is a frustrating <laughs> thing for me because it's, it's good to at least know, okay, maybe there's three, four places yeah. that I want to go. And as long as I can get to those, it's a successful adventure kind of thing. Totally. Yeah. And then you got to ask other people too, right? Because mm-hmm. there might be one person in the group that they're the only person that wants to see this, but that might be their number one thing. Yeah. So priorities, same thing. I feel like every episode we like tie it back to priorities in some way. You just yeah. got to know what's important to you figure it out. Um, But I'm going to turn this travel segment into some just general travel tips before we wrap up today. I just think they're important to know as women and as people who travel in general for health and safety and maximizing your time for a great experience. So I wrote 10 of these, but I'm only going to read four. I think these four are maybe the most unique. um, And Jordan will jump in here with me too. The first one is the purse zipper trick. Okay, so this is not anything (laughs) particularly insightful, but it's something I do everywhere I go, no matter where I go. I always carry a crossbody purse, and I carry it so that the zipper closes in front of me. So you never want the zipper closing behind you, like to your back. And I hold my purse by placing my index finger and my thumb around the zipper on my hip. So if someone were to try to tug on my purse, I would feel it. And if someone were to try to unzip my purse without me knowing, it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely always always a good thing to be aware of your surroundings and be aware of where your stuff is. I know there's like the the, the funny little under your shirt belt that carries like your oh, passport yeah. and credit card and uh-huh. stuff, but in all reality, that's a great thing to have. Yeah, it's uh, my boyfriend's mother prior to us going to Barcelona. She had bought me a a bag because I complimented hers last trip that we had gone on, and it is like woven steel on the inside and like all of these locking zippers. So you really have to put an effort in oh, if wow. you want to get something out of there. I yeah. love that. I need so, that. And it's cool. And it's it's not like this is a safe in a purse kind of thing. They should sponsor us if they're listening. Yeah, it looks like an actual purse. Like, it's just a (laughs) crossbody bag. It's a little bit bigger, and it's got, like, a pocket for a water bottle. So, yeah, you look a little touristy, but my stuff's not being stolen. And that's that's the most important thing. I actually never travel with my jewelry. I take all of this off when I travel. Um, I do not bring my Louis Vuitton. I do not. I actually, this might surprise some people who are listening, I don't really get, like, I don't really take a lot of the whole, like, really amazing travel photos for Instagram. I do have, like, 
I guess, like an Instagram image that I might uphold in some other ways, like skincare or things. But when I travel, I actually wear like tennis shoes and t-shirts a lot of the time. Like I do love to dress, like wear like a nice maxi dress or something when I'm traveling, but um, it's more important to me to be safe and comfortable than it is to look good for the gram. Yeah, and it also, I mean, it also goes back to what to bring with you on your trips. Kind exactly, of what kind of, what's important to it's, you, right? Am I, I going to wear those heels maybe one night out and it's just going to take up space in my bag that could be used for a pair of sneakers and another pair of shorts or something? Right. Like, you have to keep all of that stuff in mind. So, like, what I like to do before packing is just lay all of my stuff out and just make mm -hmm. sure, okay, I have three outfits that can interchange with one another that can maybe last me, like, four or five days. I do the same thing. Yeah, so. Yeah, interchangeable pieces, neutrals things like that. Yeah. Um, another tip I wanted to share, if possible, I always bring not one, but two people with me to an ATM. Now, this is something I learned from Lead Abroad, which uh, is the program I discussed in episode one. Additionally, you want to do your research, and how to do this research varies from place to place on which ATMs might be safer than others for whatever reason. Um, maybe it's because of the part of town, or maybe it's because a local told you that uh, this particular ATM, somebody recently uh, discovered there was a chip in it or a camera or something. So you want to you want to learn a little bit about that before you get money out anywhere. But you want two people with their backs to you while you're getting out money, with one facing diagonally one way, one facing diagonally the other way, because it's very common for people to approach you and purposely try to distract you while you're getting out money. And this is usually where your cash or your debit card gets stolen or worse. So um, the benefit of having two and not one is that if I have my back to you, your sides are open, right? And somebody can just swoop in and maybe I'm distracted, right? I don't know. I have ADHD. Don't bring me as your ATM buddy. I don't know. But um, if you have two people, nobody's probably going to approach you. Probably pretty safe. Yeah, and this stuff is also really good to keep in mind, even just if yeah, you're in a city. Like, totally. Just on the whole, like all around, wherever you are, just to be aware. And it's it's always a good thing to have an ATM buddy, even if you're just in a city that you're very familiar with mm -hmm. because you have no idea who else is yeah, around Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, another one, and this obviously does pertain to international travel, um, always know where the embassy is wherever you are. So if you lose your passport, I recently traveled with someone who was crying hysterically as we got to uh, the airport in Bangkok because she realized that she did not have a passport. And guess what? She did not go home with the rest of us. <laughs> uh, or if you get arrested, right? Or if there's a national emergency in your home country and you need information there or a plan of action or whatever. Um, the last thing you need to be doing in a time of crisis is figure out who can help you and where to go to get that help. So this is just something that you need to know before a crisis. So figure it out as soon as you get somewhere or before you arrive. It's not hard. And then the last one, uh, and I saved this one for last because I think it kind of pertains to the Enough brand. This is something that down the road I would really like to incorporate into the brand is take a self-defense class particularly one that's focused on a women's self-defense class. So this is extremely important for women. It's something that I've been lucky enough to do. Well, not lucky enough. I've made this choice uh, to do on several occasions. And although I understand this is something that you may not remember in a time of crisis, like like you get so shocked or nervous that you're the last thing you're thinking of is like, I'm going to pull out this move that I learned five years ago, right? I, I get that. I totally do. Um, but again, something is better than nothing. You don't know how you might react in that situation unless you've been in that situation. And if you're listening to this and you're local to where I live, my nephews and my niece do karate. And they have some self-defense classes uh, at that place 
all the time for adults and for women specifically. Sometimes they're even free. Um, and it's just so, so important. And it's something I'm so incredibly grateful my sister is doing for her children because I love her children like they're my own. And um, I just feel so much better knowing that they're consistently learning how to defend themselves if need be because this world is scary and you just never know. Yeah, it's definitely important. And it, it's not necessarily just like something you've seen in an action movie. It doesn't right, always work. Right. It's not how reality operates. So, uh, and you'd be surprised how effective like muscle memory is if like once you get down to like yeah. your instincts kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So if you already have that stuff, I mean, it's definitely something that I should put on my calendar to take care of and do a self-defense class because I haven't done one. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it's, it would just be cool to have in your back pocket that sometimes some an assailant or someone might not be yeah. expecting. And it's fun too. Like, here you go. Let's go ahead and, and tie our episode together today and, and combine some other lessons that I hope you've taken away. In, if you and your girlfriends are getting ready to go on a trip and you all are local to the same city, instead of spending money on a happy hour, why don't you find a free women's self-defense class? Or even if it's not free, it's a better, probably a better use of your money. And right before your trip, when you're planning or when you're getting together and, and you're talking about your trip, you can do something that's really beneficial and better for your, for, uh, your safety and for your wallet. Yeah, that can only really you benefit go. you at that point in time. Right, right. <laughs> and kind of like I touched on earlier uh, in this episode, like I said, this podcast is just going to be a starting point for this brand. I have a lot of things um, in my head. I have workshops, conferences, trips, things like that. And self-defense classes for women are a huge part of that because um, like, like kind of like what I was saying to Sydney earlier in this episode, I was listening to Scrubbing In with Becca Tilly and Tanya Rad early this morning. And their uh, most recent guest was, I believe her name is Tara Newell. Newell. She is from Dirty John, if you've listened to that podcast or watched that show, she's the one who killed John. Spoiler. Um, yeah, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> spoiler, sorry. Um, but no, I think that that's like common knowledge, right? Like, I think they start backwards. Okay. Like, they tell you. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so. Well, okay, sorry. <laughs> but, um, but no, basically, it's a true story and, like, was all over the news at that time. And, like, um, he was a sociopath and he... Um, it was a very unhealthy relationship that in her family. And uh, she, I believe her exact words were, I knew in that moment it was me or him. And she's a small person too. And he's a big, he was a big guy. So like, it, it's just, you just don't know. It's just so important to um, just use your resources and be as prepared as you can. You know, um, it's just something that I want. I want, if you take anything away from this today, um, just really think about like your safety right? Think about things that you can do to protect yourself because that was me. Um, maybe not in a situation as extreme as that girl, but I, I was, um, I was in a position like that. And I can remember when I escaped from that person, um, I saw a look in his face, in his eyes that I, not only had I never seen it in him, I had never seen it in another human being, and it was like the most pure evil thing I'd ever seen. And in that moment, I was terrified. So whether you are traveling and you are walking on the street with your girlfriends or whether you are in, um, you know, a situation with a significant other or family member, uh, you never know where you might need something like that. So 
All right. I hope you uh, appreciated those. I know I kind of went off on a tangent a little bit, but like kind of like I had previously mentioned, I want everything uh, in this content to um, just really kind of help people out. And uh, if I'm going different directions, it's because I feel like that direction is important as well. So that concludes episode three. Thank you so much for listening. I am so grateful you've taken the time out of your day to listen to the Enough podcast. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. If you have comments, questions, anything you want us to address on the podcast or anything you want us to share, please email us at podcast at enoughbiz.com. That's podcast at enoughbiz.com. You can also DM us on Instagram at the enough podcast. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, share with a friend, and tune into our next episode. We'll be announcing that guest very soon. So stay tuned and keep up with us on social. For today, that's enough, and we'll catch you next time.